Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Monday is here again, and I'm your host, Dave Pryor, and that first voice that you heard, of course, is Mr. A.D. Hopper. A.D., good evening. Good evening. How are we? I am well. Are you well? As far as I'm aware, you should have reason to be chirpy and optimistic, but your tone suggests otherwise. No, no, I'm chirpy and optimistic. Uh, I see the little seeds of a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, growth, should we call it? Okay, well, we'll get into more, more of that later on, perhaps, as perhaps. we go through... All the stories. Who else have we got tonight? We've got Mr. Tom Bailey's here. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Could be worse, we'll say that. Could be worse. What, you could be called Fred McTombley, and I decided to go for Tom Bailey tonight. I was uh, <laughs> easing you in, Tom. It's going to be a long evening, I feel. <laughs> well, also joining us this evening, of course, it's Mr. Rick Hyatt. How you doing, Rick? I'm all right. Thank you. Much, uh, much chirpier than, than Adrian. He's all right, old misery, isn't he? That football bloody hell's lost all its impetus. It's like a flannel now. It used to be the keynote part of the entire podcast. <laughs> well, I'm, it's, it's, I'm fed up with people ringing up complaining. <laughs> As it goes on, he's just getting more and more canny. turning into John Inman. Mm. Another one for the kids. Oh, football bloody hell. Ooh. <laughs> and talking of John Inman, last but not least, <laughs> it's coming in from the sick bed. It's Mr. Paul Thorpe. How are you doing, Paul? I've got to be the furthest away from John Inman. <laughs> oh, but, hey, I'm free. I am free, definitely free. <laughs> yes, and uh, with a great big. Football bloody hell. Let's get in there. That's the one. That's, That's the one. Indeed. Hey. That's good. It's, it's, it's a bit more subdued because he's got the Christmas party you got to pay for, hasn't he? Like, that's what it is. So he's a little bit more subdued. Uh, Christmas party season, so, so, of course. So he, yeah, yeah. Old Scrooge over there, he's feeling a little bit down. So Up just, your give him a I'll have you off the guest list in a minute if you don't watch it. <laughs> Tell you what. Cost me a fortune traveling all the way down to Mosterton. Yeah. Get one back in Yeovil. Oh. Hey, don't, don't tell the don't tell the listeners where they're going, or they'll all be queuing outside oh, be queuing for a free meal. Yes, it could be a very very expensive night for you. Yeah. We better get some uh, some counselling ready for him. Well, it was good but enough yes. for us last week, so or last year, I should say. <laughs> so I thought we'll give it another go. So, as alias Sicno is doing okay, um, and uh, yeah. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's been uh, an interesting journey so far, and um, yes, it's, uh, it's 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 hopefully on the way to recovery. Are you so on thank you very on much. feet yet, Thorpe? Are you? I am on my I am on my feet. I do a five and a ten minute walk uh, every day, and uh, do my exercises and um, the squats. We've got a decent bend on the knee already, so uh, it's just um, you know the, the doing a bit of work on it actually inflames it a little bit and might have got chunky enough legs as they are um and um and it's a little bit of pulling he found it very difficult to cut through my muscle which i take as a high compliment uh the work that he did before but um you know so obviously there's been a few more stitches in there and it's just going to take a little bit more time to heal 
So hopefully in the next three months, it will get that chance to heal and my muscles will be back to where they were, hopefully. But um, well, Thank God for yeah. a chainsaw then, eh? Was it, Thorfey? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they just kept on saying to me, so difficult cutting through your muscle. But, um, oh, you're so yeah. muscly, Mr. Thorfey. I am so muscly. Yes. Uh, stop it now. Stop it. You'll make me blush. <laughs> uh, you need you yes. needed a tree surgeon then, Thorpey, did you? <laughs> it, it, it was a little bit like that, apparently, yes. So, but they they own all the right tools there from Black and Decker right through to other brands as well as. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, all, all went well. So I can't I can't thank them enough and uh, highly recommend. Uh, I know there are other hospitals available at Shepton Mallet were very good, very kind to me. So big shout out to them, and just to say a massive thank you from me. Excellent stuff, Thorpey. Glad to know that you're on the mend and got a little bit of good news there but unfortunately i'm gonna to have to start the pod this evening with a little bit of sad news before we do go into anything else because the news did break uh yesterday afternoon of the passing of former england manager terry venables um of course a stellar career in as both player and manager and i think it's fair to say um his most notable tenure of course was being manager of the england team during euro 96 Floods of tributes have come in, as you would expect, associated with uh, Middlesbrough and Leeds United, of course. Tottenham Hotspur did a big uh, memorial yesterday at the head of the game, which I thought was really, really class, really, considering they didn't have long before the news actually broke, before putting that together, before their game against Aston Villa. But um, Unless just somebody in terms of... them the wink, though. Well, quite possibly, Ed. I'll, c- I'll come to you first, just in terms of him as a man first of all um another big loss uh, in the name of football this year yeah it's been a bad year hasn't it it's been too many too many sad losses really just a, he was just a character wasn't he i mean anybody that can manage england and and write a tv detective show is is got to have a certain amount of talent to him hasn't he and he clearly did and i think the way he he, he treated the players the he you know he was he would better put his arm around his shoulders and, uh, you know, I've no doubt he did get stroppy on occasions, but most of the time he just felt he was a nice bloke, you know, and he, he got some really good results by and large. I mean, just pity about the end one, but, uh, you know, that's, that's football, isn't it? You can't win them all. But, uh, no, I think it's a sad loss, but you know, as I say, we've had too many sad losses this year. Too many. Rick, for you, where does he rank amongst other English managers um, that we've seen that have been and gone? English or England? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say English, but I mean, you could you can open that up to England as well. Well, as as an England manager, he, he reinvigorated the national side completely because we hadn't really had an awful lot of anything to shout about for a, for a while. And uh, he changed the attitude, brought in, he was a better tactician than people seem to think everyone says what a great man manager he was but he also had his famous christmas tree which was uh effective and he got the best out of players and i i think the the fa made a mistake i think they they got rid of him too too soon and uh he could have been could have been there doing a good job for a for a bit longer so uh yeah and as a as a bloke you can't really fault him he was he was a cheeky chappy bit of a geezer bit of a singer had a recording career and, and of course, wrote Hazel, as Adrian said. Uh, so many strings to his bow and uh, it is a, a sad loss. Thorpe, do you echo those, echo those statements from the rest of the boys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's not many players uh, or, or people you can actually say they've had a fantastic playing career, but also a fantastic managerial career over several clubs with uh, success running through them. And, um <clears throat> I know that uh, I, I I sort of heard a little bit about um, him leaving the England job and that it was political and um, uh, lot to do about his contract. But after the success he'd had, why they weren't throwing the job at him, I, I really doesn't don't understand it. And uh, he was so close to success, probably the closest we we've been. Um, and the squad he had really looked, you, you felt that something could really, really happen. But um, And then he went across to Spain and did it in Europe as well. So uh, established career, both as a player, manager. He will be known as a true legend. 
Um, I loved his character. I thought he came across really well as a people person. Um, but he could also be strong when he needed to be strong. And, um, but also empathetic when need to. You know, I remember he's the very first person to get across the South Gulf. Uh, Southgate when he missed his penalty and um, you know I think that he showed real class um, on and off the pitch uh, he's a real I, had a, I shed a tear because and I'll tell you why because I actually felt 80 was far too young for him he had so much more to give you know he's had his life in Spain um, which he was uh, living over there but uh, until obviously he died but um, uh, he had so much more to give and I wish he, he'd been on the TV more um, because I think that uh, people could have really aspired to him and related to him in a big way. But uh, yeah, to his, his family, sad loss. You know, we wish him well. And um, yeah, what a fabulous man and manager and footballer as well. Yeah, Tom, just to round that up, you've been in a sort of similar position to me, really. With uh, I think his last managerial career was in 2007. So while perhaps the likes of you and I wouldn't have seen him behind the dugout I seem to remember the tail end of his time um, at Leeds United which I think did Man United a favour when they won at Arsenal against all odds when they were doing really poorly uh, I think they won 3-2 at, um, at Highbury and then United were able to pip um, the title that year I think it was 2003 2002 something like that um, but similar to me Tom that you'll probably have seen all the previous histories and things that he's been involved with, particularly with that Euro 96 team, and just echo the state statements that the boys have said so far. Yeah, I think they've said everything that can be said. Uh, like I said, he's before my time, but I don't think I've seen a single bad word said about him by anybody when the tributes have been coming in. So um, loved by everybody, and he'll be missed, I'm sure. Can I just um, pop something in there? Just say, I've just gone on Wikipedia. So his, his playing career was Chelsea, 202, Tottenham, 115, QPR, 177, Crystal Palace, um, 14. 508 league games, 50 goals. He went right from youth player to England player and then uh, the Football League 11 as well. He managed Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers, Barcelona, Tottenham, England, Australia, Crystal Palace again, Middlesbrough with Brian Robson and Leeds United and... Uh, assistant with um, England and then obviously took over the England job as well. I mean, what an established career, you know, and I think that sort of speaks volumes about how, how he was wanted. Now he put himself across and really worked with the clubs that uh, he worked for as well. So just thought that'd be in, an interesting little point. Pretty good playing record, that's for certain. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and to make 500 league games is, is an incredible feat in itself, isn't it? Yeah, because he played with Jimmy Greaves, didn't he, amongst others? I yeah. think, I think yeah. I'm right in saying that. Yeah, and as well, just to round that point off, um, Rick, I see that he was at, at Barcelona and there wasn't too many English people around sort of at that sort of time that sort of made that, that move across to Spain and elsewhere on the continent. No, he was a pioneer in that respect and also brought uh, Barcelona their first league title. They hadn't won the league for ages and he came within a penalty shootout of winning the, the European Cup with them as well. So... You can't deny his managerial qualifications. I mean, he was yeah, he's just a just a football bloke, wasn't he? Through and through. Well, let's turn our attentions then to all things Yeovil Town boys because we've been on a pretty good run, haven't we? We had the fourteen Ws, then we had a D on Wednesday evening uh, against Chippenham Town. Um, Tom Bailey, I'm going to come to you first because. The question I asked uh, the boys on on Wednesday and to yourself was, was there anything from that Chippenham performance which made you think, no, not really too many concerns, just one of those, and we move forward? Um, how do you assess that now? Now we know that uh, Yeovil put in a performance and came away with a 4-1 defeat, unexpectedly, I think it's fair to say, at Welling, at Welling United on the weekend. Yeah, it sounds like um, there were a lot of upset fans, which is unfortunate. Well, obviously, we don't want that at all. Um, I don't think there's anything to worry about still. I think there was a massive overreaction, as Yoba fans tend to do. Um, judging from the highlights I saw, because I wasn't there, 
Um, so this is literally only from like a seven minute highlight reel. Two of the goals, yep, fair enough. Like we should have done better, but there were two really good goals in there as well. One of them shouldn't have happened because it was a foul on Morgan Williams. Um, Abraham's pushed him to the floor and, and just had a free header. So um, that shouldn't have been a goal. And yeah, I I think there's still not too much to worry about. Sure, we probably looked a bit toothless up front and I heard there was a lot of uh, sort of hero ball, which isn't ideal. But um, I think Sunday is just a chance for us to have a free hit, get some confidence back and see if we can just go for it a bit and um, just put Sunday be- uh, put last weekend behind us because it's... I can't imagine that's going to be the standard now. So, yeah. And um, Cooper as well spoke very well in his interview saying, like, obviously it's not acceptable, but um, there'll be there'll be words had. And I think Fisher echoed that in his um, interview as well. So they know it's not good enough and sounds like a bit of a free cup set. And I mean, everyone else in the league struggled as well. So can't, it's not just us. I can't believe, though, that the Yeovil Town fans... After what they've had, as you said, fourteen W's <laughs> and a D, um, could could start giving them some stick because okay, yeah, they lost, but I mean, you know, fourteen wins on the trot and they're still moaning, and one one defeat. I think that's terrible. I really do. It doesn't show an awful lot of loyalty to the clip to the club and the team. I mean, I'd certainly take a defeat, a 4-1 defeat, and be eight points clear at the top of the table, Rick yeah, High, wouldn't you? Yeah. You've got to hand it to them. If the wheels are going to fall off, they fall off in a spectacular way, losing <laughs> 4-1 to a team in the relegation places. But it just seemed like it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I think there was a... Tom will know better than uh, than I will with his social media hat on, but wasn't there more of a reaction to the the draw than than there was to actually to this defeat? I think people were more disappointed with that performance than they were with the actual defeat that they had this week. Or did I just make that um, up? I think it was there was probably more more reaction and in terms of numbers to the draw, but some of the reactions on the Saturday were worse. People oh, saying like yeah. it was, yeah, like people saying I want a refund. I'm like, no, that doesn't work like that. It doesn't <laughs> work like that. God, people have got short memories, haven't they? They realise what, what Yeovil fans have been through for the last decade and then you, you, you complain after one result. I mean, you've got to stick with it. It's a season-long thing, isn't it? And there's no given in, in football that you're going to win every week anyway. No one's got a divine win. A right to win every week, even if you break 115 financial regulations, you don't win. <laughs> You've gone early. You've gone oh, early there me. tonight. There you <laughs> go. Seek that one minutes. in really nicely, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is true, though. Thorpe, I want to. I want to bring you in because, in terms of the yeah. game itself on Saturday, I did wonder if maybe not the players. That would be a, a different element, I think. But certainly from a fan's perspective, to maybe under a underestimating Welling United as a contest because when you actually look at where they are, yes, they're 22nd in the table, which is not good by any anyone's um, imagination. But I think it's something like they were unbeaten at home since September or something. They've got an awful yeah. lot of draws in there, which I think is why they are where they are. So maybe 22nd isn't necessarily reflective of the team. Would that be That's, fair? Absolutely, bang on, and, and the pitch probably is not the greatest of, of, of pitches. What I can remember of it, this that was a long time ago, but it, it, from what I remember, it probably wasn't well looked after as much as what it could have been in those days. Probably not much has changed. It didn't look you know, on the highlights; it didn't look absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, they, they're certainly not as bad as what you think. You know, a team that goes to have a lot of draws um, created a lot of chances. What I will say, and I made like a little note, uh, my, being my little coaching and, and managerial role here. So you know, you've got to be strong. First goal, got to be stronger on the uh, towards the edge of the box. Losing a ball there is is an absolute no no. You've got to be looking for the second ball there. So that's one thing. Morgan Williams, I actually think you've got to be very aggressive as a centre centre half. And when you're in the box, that's when you come alive. And I think that he should have been stronger and more aggressive in that situation. So he wasn't pushed to the floor. And then he could have uh, uh, attacked it more. The long ball straight over a square defence where they're not compact enough. 
I think is is another little no no. Made it easy for him to get clear and let, let let's be fair, he finished it really really well, um, pass keeper. And then um, uh, oh right, and the last one, you know, the ball straight down the middle. The one thing that a centre half must do, and it's a real priority, is win that first ball. And to allow the ball to bounce close to the edge of your eighteen yard box is an absolute travesty and it should never happen and if it was in my day i'd have got one hell of a excuse my french bollocking for it and uh so there, there's certain certainly i agree with rick if you're gonna if, it, if the wheels are going to come off come off spectacularly and there's loads of things that they can work on in training for that to get it back and there's the simple simple mistakes that sometimes you do get in a game and sometimes you need to kick at the back side it's not boring supporting Yeovil, is it? No, no. And I, I, and I agree with all of you. I mean, the fans need to support their team. You know, that's what supporters mean. And, um, you know, the, the, the support you need is actually when things don't go too well. Just I think that, with, the, with that, though, I, th- I think it's very harsh for people to blame George Marshall James. I don't think it was his fault at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, very, very disappointing um, result. Uh, you occasionally get those ones. I remember us going away to Fisher Athletic and getting a right drubbing for for one. Actually, saying that, um, so you can't take these teams um, lightly at all. You know, not this not this level of football. It might be a bit of a good wake up call, though, might yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't, because because I, I was thinking maybe after you know the run that that um, Yeovil have been on, and then taking the lead early in the game as well. Yes, yeah, the element then of, of switching off and thinking that the job's done. Yeah, absolutely. By a fantastic goal. Cuts inside, yeah. goes for the little dummy shot. and, and right, Here we go again. You know, and he finishes it off really well. You know, again, again, all, all the goals I've seen, the Chippenham one and all, all those ones, to be fair for me, it's lack of concentration in certain areas of the pitch. You know, in the final third, you, you, you know, defensive final third, you've got to be really strong. You can't make mistakes in those areas. Because Steve Rutter will tell you, the percentage of goals scored are the retention retention of the ball or the when you retain the ball uh, is normally in the attacking final third. So in, in the defending third, you do not want to lose those areas. Centre halves need to be aggressive. You've got to be aggressive. You know, end of the day, you're in the team because one, you should be a decent header of the ball. You know, and very aggressive in that area. And uh, it's those two boxes that make about a lot of difference, doesn't it? So, you know, I was I, I, I was disappointed in in the way we allowed. I, I don't I don't like that word allowed but allowed them to get into situations that they shouldn't have got into to be able to score those goals. And I think Mark will be very, very disappointed and angry that, that, that a team of his has, has allowed those goals to be scored in that, in that fashion. Because defensively, to be, I think you will all agree, we've been, been absolutely magnificent. Right, you know? so, but a free hit next week, you know, Sunday. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. There's one good point that came out of the game. Now, it's good to see Alex Fisher back on the pitch when you consider the severity mm. of his, his leg break to be back yeah. uh, relatively quickly. I mean, I know it, I don't know how long it is now, but it doesn't seem as long as it perhaps should should have seemed, if you know what I mean. Um, but he's yeah. back. Do we know how long, how long did he actually get? I don't see the... Uh, seven months. As in April, he, he suffered he, his break. Yeah, how long did he, he last on the pitch? Oh, oh. He only came on for 15 minutes, I think, wasn't it? 15. Something? Well, it's, it, 15 minutes is a fantastic start. And, um, you know, he'll reap the benefits of that. And uh, just it, just in, not, not if it's a physicality way, but in a mental way, yeah. I think, which is, uh, you know, when you, when you, I, I, luckily, I only bust my nose. That's why I've got all these fantastic good looks in it, Rick. So, but, oh, it, stunner. <laughs> but I've never broken my leg. Better tarsals, but never my leg, thankfully. And um, I think mentally, that is a real big one to get over. So to, to go through 15 minutes, next one will probably be like, you know, just less than a half, maybe a half. You know, he, he's need, he needs to be patient and build the strength in his ligaments and his muscles around that, that area. So build his confidence up. But um, it, again, well done for coming back so soon. And uh, let, let's hope your recovery has uh, a real positive end to it. And it could also have an effect. I mean, I, I, there's enough competition, I guess you could say, up front as it is with, with four strikers. But now he's back. That's put in even more. At least they know that, they, you know, there's more competition. We've got to be up to, the, up to scratch every week. And I think, you know, that could help the Oval in itself. Yeah, I agree. 
I think Fisher must be thinking, I don't believe it. I've been on the sidelines all this time and I come back into the team. What the hell is going on? It's the same as it was when he left the last time he played. Hang on, what's going on? Yeah, he must think that it's like the same year or something and the time has just completely stood still. I did feel sorry for him, but you do make a good point. It's just amazing to see him back on the pitch. And like you say, we've had him on here on various podcasts since... The um the injury took place and it's fair to say that he's you know he's almost defied medical <laughs> medical technology and all sorts to actually get to where he is and um and he actually said by his own admission as well that not only has he been focusing on his own injury Thorpey but he's also been helping others and been helping a couple of the young lads at Exeter City as well when he offered his um advice and support to Paul Warren and the players at Derby when he was on the pod as well when he's a yeah you know he's he's a hell of a man as well yeah absolutely a true professional and uh, you know when you've been through life's experiences like like that and that's that that is a massive one that's like almost a career ending injury and um, the experience that he's been through in the past with injuries you know is is a uh, is fantastic and the fact that he's actually done that and offered that support to other people's just shows you what a great uh, uh, professional he is. You'd be knocking on your door next, Olpi. Well, I'd, I'd love some uh, advice to get uh, over this one, but uh, yeah, it's new to me. But um, you know, I'll, um, I'll hopefully be able to take it in my stride and get back to full health uh, shortly. I think when they grabbed him for the interview, he, he must have been doing a little bit of warming down because he seemed to be blowing like a good. One. And I can't mm. imagine they, they would have grabbed him straight after the game. So I just think he must have been, um, you know, warming down afterwards. But, I just want to pick up on a point that um, Tom made, because I think it's um, a relevant one and it's just sort of give you an idea of sort of the chaos that happened really over the weekend. When you look at some of the results elsewhere that um, that came in, particularly in the in the football league. So, for instance, I see that um, Sunderland, bless them, had a long old trip down to Plymouth and they got unstuck 2-0. Um, Ipswich Town going really well. They lost up at West Brom, Exeter, we know are not doing very well at the moment. They got hit for seven at Bolton. But um, there's a couple of key fixtures where Portsmouth were unbeaten. I think their unbeaten run was well into the 20s. They lost 4-0 at home to Blackpool. Reading had the worst away defeat over the space of two seasons than anyone in the Football League. They won 2-1 away from home this weekend. There was just some quite astonishing results. Stockport County flying high at the top of the table. I couldn't believe that one to Newport County and Mansfield Town as well another one flying really high under I think it's Nigel Cluffett's manager they have been unbeaten I think in their 20s as well they went down 2-1 to to Swindon Town Tom are we just seeing just a freak day and maybe if there's any comfort that Yeovil fans need to cling on to is the fact that there's been some freak results up and down the country in all the divisions yeah yeah and again even if they weren't happening sure you'll start looking over your shoulder a bit but i'm sure there's others i've missed off as well well even in the national league south with us um so let's look at them uh just wait for the table to load up so obviously yeovil lost uh bath drew away to farnborough um Torquay got hammered weymouth drew uh, with Avely, so that's another draw behind us hampton were the only team to benefit really um against chippenham yeah bath drew uh maidstone lost braintree lost worthing drew uh, Chelmsford lost they've now fallen out of the playoffs so it was just a really weird day for everybody including those in the National League South there's there's nothing to worry about if we start going on a run of maybe four or five defeats in a row you can start to panic but until then there's just no there's no point well talking of point that leads us nicely into the twelve thirty game on Saturday afternoon which was Manchester City against Liverpool ending in a point one point apiece, one goal apiece. Um, we were sort of predicting what games were going to be last on match of the day. And it turned out this one wasn't far off that running order, was it? <laughs> um, particularly surprised that when uh, Luton Palace and West Ham Burnley were the front runners on match of the day on Saturday evening. Uh, I think we all got that wrong, certainly from a running order point of view. But um, 
from my personal experience, I was going around the monkeys at the point where I was trying to get the last 10 minutes at Longley, and then the aerial got taken out by said monkeys, and then I didn't know what was going on for the last five minutes that the Yeti had. So I was more than delighted to see that we hung on for a point. Uh, who do I go to first for this? Uh, I might regret this. AD Hopper, I'll go to you next. Um, what did you make of the early kickoff? Did you catch any of it? Are you happy with the point? What are your thoughts? I'm certainly happy with a point apiece because that means that they both dropped two points as far as we're concerned. So certainly happy with that. Didn't see much of the game. Um, certainly, it I don't as... think it lived up much to the imagination from what I hear, having not watched it myself. But well, it seems like it wasn't a classic. No, well, what bits I saw, I didn't. You know, I didn't get excited about it. Racing was far more interesting. So I switched over to the racing. But uh, as I say, two points dropped by both teams is, is, is a positive for everybody around them. Although, uh, you know, it, it does allow Arsenal to go top, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. But uh, I suppose, you know, they cancelled each other out, didn't they, really, at the end of the day? Rick, before I come to the Liverpool boys, um, I just want to ask how much the 12.30 slot do you think did have an impact on the overall quality of, of the game? Do you think that did play a part at all? No. No, not, not in the slightest. I think you made the right choice. Going away and touching monkeys was an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a better option than watching that rubbish. It was awful. It was, was it, it was six of seven, wasn't it, on match of the day? What, who was last? Yes, I think. Uh, it was it was Arsenal Brentford, which we'll come on to later. Which was that was awful as well. Although nice to see that Arsenal have got the open top bus parade booked for Tuesday, as per usual. Every time. <laughs> no, you didn't miss you didn't miss an awful lot. Uh, in fact, I think most of the uh, most of the crowd in the in the Etihad weren't that interested because Pep had to try and get them to cheer. Uh, a couple of points. I think the most exciting bit was uh, Darwin and Pep having a set to. At the end of the game, yeah, yeah, that was the most exciting, exciting part of it. I mean, I'm very, very impressed with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, though, to be uh, beaten, dribbled past seven times in a match, new Premier League record this season. It's exceptional behaviour from your fullback, I think. Oh, sorry, did you want me to talk about his goal? Oh well, no. From my perspective, if we still come out alive with a draw and he gets the goal, Thorpey, that would do for me, son. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, it was a, a game of um, a little action, lots of possession by Man City. Um, they, they were certainly the better side and be rather down for not winning the game, I, I would suspect, but apart from a little bit of brilliance from, you know, uh, the first time Liverpool really made uh, decent runs and, and, and won two-touch football and, f- and finished off really well. But yeah, below par game by by both teams, really. Um but certainly, Man City would be gutted they haven't won it uh, for sure. But a better uh, result, like, like, Liverpool, isn't it? Then yeah, the, the clock would have been absolutely static with a one-one draw. Um, nobody really picked up much. But Arsenal have obviously like done well this weekend. But um, I think they'll they'll lose enough points this season not to be in. You know, if I'm wrong, uh, so be it. But you know, I think they'll lose enough points that not to be at the right at the very top this year. But um, yeah, uh, for, for a Premiership game. Um, going out globally, I thought it was a poor, poor standing. Really, like it's a bit of a shame, but um, we move on. I mean, it didn't really have a goal that one could sort of get excited about, did it? Really, well, that's because you know, Man United nice used it. We'll you know, get to that. We'll get <laughs> to that. Let Tom have a say, Tom Bailey. Yeah, let um, Freddie Mercury McTominay have been your turn. Freddie McTominay, what do you think, son? <laughs> I'm happy. Um, we didn't lose. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. And Trent scored a lovely finish. Um, always good to see. I see that he's meant to be in trouble for his celebration, which means that clearly football is continuing to go down the drain if you can't celebrate in front of somebody's fans anymore. Um, yeah, I did. I, I didn't get to watch Tom, it. Sorry, just coming in on that. The fact that um, the Man City fans were all caught singing "Feed the Scousers" and all sorts as well, and yet it's Trent that will get, you know, possibly in yeah. the neck for celebrating yeah. that way. It's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? And, really. And but... as as much as it sounds like I'm going to say like we're playing the victim, I would react exactly the same if anyone did that to any club, be it, well, even if it was United, whatever. No one should 
be subjected to those sort of chants and then be punished as well. Um, if you're going to punish both, well, punish anyone, punish both sides if you're going to do it. But um, yeah, Liverpool, as you said, definitely going to be the happier team. And uh, we can look forward to the next uh, fixtures, knowing that uh, probably our hardest game of the season is now out of the way. Trent did well, actually, to hear those chants because it was so quiet in the ground. He probably picked up two or three people. There's only about two or three of them making any noise. So that's probably who he heard. It's just typical FA, isn't it? Let's just get, let's, uh, you know, find one of our players. We can increase our coffers in our bank account, but we won't actually address the real, real problem, which is allowing fans to just abuse anybody that what they want. You know, society, police do that, like, uh, you know, um, you know, through society. Let somebody abuse our country, you know, uh, you know, and then, but, but if somebody steps out of line, then we hammer them. I just think it's sad. You know, let let him let him celebrate. I, I, that's not a bad celebration, is it? Do, doing yeah. what he did is not a bad celebration, I don't think. I mean, it's just done all over the place. I just but, want to pick um, up on the point um, that that Rick said because I know that a lot of people are completely divided who are not Liverpool fans about Trent Alexander Arnold. But if I can ask it another way, Rick, just to sort of mm-hmm. wrap this point up, can yep. you see why Liverpool fans are so? excited by him even if it's a case of i i completely understand my worry going into this game was that doku might rip him apart <laughs> but because the other side of this stuff is so good and he's so good on the can you understand the why the positive feeling towards him is there absolutely it's a matter of finding the the right assistant where you don't is it midfield because people seem to think that doesn't work either why do you think that's so different I don't. I, I honestly, I, I don't know because you play to his strengths. I mean, he's the best passer of a ball in the Premier League since Paul Scholes or David Beckham. I think he's he's of that that level. So you need to find a way of getting him in a, into the team in a position where you utilise that. And he's obviously as a as a right back. You don't want him getting beaten seven times. So you, I don't know. It, it's it's. Benefits, swings and roundabouts. If he's adding more to the team and it, and you don't get battered four or five every week, surely you put up with it. It feels like, Rick, it'd be perfect 4-4-2, but no one plays that way and just stick him on the right wing. Somebody will. Before too long, somebody's going to go back to 4-4-2 and, uh-huh. and nobody will have a, a clue how to, how to beat that system. Because full-backs were always overlapping fullbacks that was the whole thing about fullbacks is that they were overlapping they'd get around the outside now they're bloody inverted and they're going into a congested midfield it's football cyclical tactics are cyclical and it won't be long before 4-4-2 is the default uh, formation again I don't think Thorpe final point on that just it's, it's simple really it, 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 we've all known his qualities as a, as a passer everybody said it but his passing ability he's getting in positions to score goals why is anybody now putting him as a, as a right back or right inside defensive? You More know? of a starting position, isn't it, Thorpey, rather than anything else? Listen, I think everybody will agree he's a fantastic footballer. Everybody will also agree that he's not the best defender in the world. You know, so if he's not the best defender in the world, put somebody behind him who can do that, like Joe Gomez, you know, or or, or somebody else, somebody who's got pace who can defend. You know, to allow him to express himself higher at the pitch. So you're almost like saying, not help out a little bit defensively, but forget about your defensive qualities. You know, I want you to do something else for the team because he's he's all over the park. He's he's energetic. He can pass. He can win a tackle. He can score goals. His attributes may be somewhere else on the pitch. Um, you know, and I just think that because you know, also when the ball's put to the far post, we've said it before. People play the ball onto Trent Alexander's uh, head almost and attack the far post. And many times they've scored goals against Liverpool doing that. So take him out of the equation, put him where he can be a real danger and a real threat. And, and I think everybody would be happy. He's a midfield player now. Forget about your defensive qualities. And that's my personal opinion. OK, well, let's move in to Sunday then. Um, we'll double up on the games. We'll do them as a sandwich because... Uh, AD, um, I'll come to Rick in a minute, but I'll, I'll start with you because it was a great afternoon for you. The fact that Spurs lost, which I'm sure that you would have been happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then on top of that, you were able to enjoy a wonderful 3-0 win. And I haven't seen Sunday's coverage of Match of the Day yet, but I did see the goal oh. before I 
tuned in this evening have gone actually, and I have to agree. Credit the Safari Park due. shut on Sunday, were they, Dave? Sorry, what was that? The Safari Park shut on Sunday. What were you up to? Yeah, um, so uh, I, I actually went out for dinner. Oh, get you. Um, went out for the afternoon. Yeah, I've had quite the weekend living the cool. life of Riley. But uh, were you living the life of Riley? For a football podcast. <laughs> exactly. I've gone all full Tom Bailey. Sorry, Tom, by not watching any of the action. <laughs> Sorry, Aid. Talk us through Man United. Big win at Everton because the talk was beforehand as well that it might be difficult going to Everton with a points deduction. But after Garnacho thwacked <clears> in that wonderful strike, can only be described as that. Uh, set you on your way. How good was it, in particular, the goal? Well, Thorpin, I've already had a, a brief discussion about the goal because he thinks that Rooney's against City was better. Um, <laughs> I personally think Garnacho's was better for, for for one main reason, really. When they homed in on the close-up shots of the, of the goal, you could see he, he got it flat on the instep of the foot against the... the, um, the uh, laces of this boot and it was it was smack on you know really great connection whereas Rooney's was a little bit more down to the bottom of his shin so I think I think from the point of view of the best goal of the two I think it was has to be Garnacho's but you know what you know we were a bit shaky in the first half even even with the, the strength of that goal behind us and Everton did put on a lot of pressure in the first half which uh, I didn't enjoy particularly but um the thing that 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 uh, really got me wound up about the game was the VAR again, good old VAR, because when uh, my favourite player Martial went through, um, quite clearly it was a foul, quite clearly he, he hung his leg out and he went down. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that should be a, a, a sending off because he was already on a yellow card for uh, you know intentionally stopping a goal. And then, um, secondly, of course, um, he didn't send him off, the VAR. I mean, why not? Surely he should have gone, he should have been sent off. Um, it was clearly a goal, so why did he give him a, initially give him a yellow, a Martial, a, a yellow card for so-called, um, you know, feigning injury, etc. I mean, terrible decisions. And I mean, it just makes a mockery of the whole thing, I thought. As for United, they weren't. They weren't 100% cracking, but they got three points. They're the form team in the Premier League at the moment. I think that's five out of six they've won. So, uh, you know, everybody's giving them stick. They're rubbish. They're terrible. Worst start since 19 this and 19 that. OK, maybe, but, you know, they're still turning it on. I'm not saying they're going to win the league or anything. Who knows? But they're, they're certainly pulling themselves together a little bit. And what about all the injuries? Think of the injuries they've had. I mean, I know there's other teams have had injuries as well, but I don't think they've had as many as we've had, quite honestly. And I do worry about that. I wonder why, as a team, we do get so many injuries because we've had a hell of a lot of injuries. It just, you know, it, it, I don't know. Don't understand that aspect of it. Over to you, Rick. Yeah, how was your Super Sunday viewing as a whole, Rick? I would say, for once, hurrah for VAR! Because they got it right. Referee made a blunder and fed. Fair play to him yeah. up in the uh, the balls, should we say, to uh, turn his decision around, rescind the yellow card, and it was a penalty. Looked like a penalty all day long. It's a bad decision, and that's what VAR's there for. Yeah, it's I agree. To get you. rid of stinky decisions like that. Yeah. So, I think VAR did its job on on that occasion. Well, that being the case, why didn't he send him off then? Because you can't set, you can't give people yellow cards every time there's a foul. Uh, I agree with that point totally. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It was. It warranted a yellow card. It wasn't that dangerous a challenge. They were covering defenders all round, so he wasn't the last man. I think it's one of the few examples that VAR has actually been used properly and got everything absolutely right. And that's what we want. You don't want it. Thank you, Thorpe. Yeah. God, I do. I bang on. Absolutely bang on. There you go. You well, see. We'll have to agree to differ. Rick, what did you what did you think of the the Spurs game as well in the, the Man United performance as a whole? Oh, they're back. Spurs are back. Mm. There's a similarity actually with the with the United game and and the Spurs game in in so much as I was listening to a podcast earlier on today and it was 
looking at it from a Spurs point of view, Spurs needed to go into that game at halftime level. United were under an awful lot of pressure towards the end of end of the first half. And had they conceded then and gone into that level, you could seen a could have seen a completely different game in the in the second half. But unusual unusual for this season, United held on, defended well. Kobe Manu, there's a there's a there's a lad who is if he carry, you don't want to build people up too much, but he had a fantastic preseason. And if he carries on like playing like he is now, he was he was how how can you have a team that spent that much money and your best midfielder be an 18-year-old making his debut? He was head and shoulders above everybody else in the United shirt on that particular day. He was outstanding. Twofold, isn't it, Rick? Because it's it's encouraging, but it's also alarming in the same token, because like yeah. you say, how have we managed to get ourselves into a position where the 18-year-old who's just coming in for the first time becomes the best player on the pitch yeah it should it should never happen and it was ironically that's the um the best that united have played over over 90 minutes this season so hopefully uh that bodes well for uh for for midweek because they're going to need to play well then thorpey bringing you in then um I say yep. double header. I'll do Super Sunday as a whole. So uh, start with United and then go on to the Tottenham and more so <laughs> Villa because we haven't really discussed them and it's them, of course, who who won the game on um, on Sunday. Well, I just thought Manchester United were, let's say, not at their best, but certainly a very professional performance and um, deserved uh, undoubtedly to win the to win the game. Um, and and it's been topped off by, you know, the most. Um, fantastic goal by, like say, an 18-year-old who um, hasn't got a, a worry in his through his body. He's playing with a lot of freedom. Um, he's got a little bit of a nasty streak to him, which I'm not particularly like. I like to see his football do the talking. Um, but uh, what a goal! And and to me, a really strong, more more Man United style performance. But I will say they've got three big games coming up. They've got Galatasaray away, Newcastle away, and then Chelsea at home. So that's a big. Big, big. If they can come through that, then they can, you know, Mr. Hopper couldn't be getting it and Rick can get excited. But, um, yeah, I think that Tottenham, I'll say one thing about Tottenham. They should have been out of sight by half time, and Rick was right. Uh, I hate it when he's right, but he was right. The old Tottenham has come back. Lots of injuries, mind. I do feel sorry for him, like nine players out um, with injuries. Um, but you've got to have that depth of squad, and they—I I think they—they're they're not far away, but they've got to be ruthless in their finishing. And they should have been uh, a good halftime score. Should have been four-one. Well, Son, been Son had three goals disallowed for offside. Disall- yeah, for disallowed That's for offside. Uh, and, and again, that—that that is really infuriating me. You've got like a, a, the millimeters offside, and when you see those torsos going for it, it infuriates me. And I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You can't. We're in the entertainment business. Let's not go down the VAR route, Philpy. There's no, not no, enough time. No, 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 no <laughs> I'm not. What I'm just saying, you're in the entertainment business, and when you take goals away from football, I mean, you're taking, you're, you're getting score lines like one nil, maybe one one, where it could have been four three, and and people sh- talking about the game and what a fantastic goal, where everything's been taken over by VAR, and it's a real shame. Thorpe, a point. You you were an ex-professional um, footballer. When it comes to training, do you think there's anything in the, the training regime, whatever it may be, because I presume it's not necessarily universally the same at each club, can yeah. have, a, have a bearing on the number of uh, injuries that players get? I, I just think that there are so many games now, you know, um, we used to worry about at the end of the season because you have to play like three games a week. You know they're playing literally every three days now. Um, the top clubs and um, you are going to get um, tiredness injuries. And I just think that. And, 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 and this, listen, that's another discussion for another day because I could go into in depth about like um, the studs that they're, they're you know that are not in the boots nowadays and have the blades and you know the style of boot that, that there is and. You know, sometimes the training. I'm I'm not a lover of these bands. I, I think that full, that full stretches are a lot better, and also static stretches and like you know movement stretches. But you know, we can go and take that into another whole dimension. But um, 
Like bands, do you I, mean I, you mean Darren Darren Sarr's rubber bands that he was always absolutely, on about? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, yes, of course they've got a, they've got something in in rehabilitation, fantastic. But you know, for warming up, I don't think you can get anything better than building it up slowly, moving that body, doing your your your, your reactional stuff like and um, those little movements. To me, they do nothing, to absolutely nothing. And um, you know, you'll get some of the scientists that say differently, but for me building it up through and then into a little game before the game is far more beneficial um, than, than what is. And I just think that players have gone away on international duty. They come back, they're flying all these distances and, you know, up in the air, lactic acid getting in the muscles, coming back, they're having to train and they're having to play. It's just, the bodies are just being overworked nowadays. And um, unfortunately, somebody said years ago to me, as 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 you become more muscular, the skeletal and the ligaments stay the same. And I think that you're becoming, um, why are we getting uh, in ladies football so many cruciate ligament injuries? It's absolutely crazy. I'm not a lover of the style of football boots nowadays. Um, I don't think these blades are any good for anybody. Um, there could be a little thing about the mixture of grass and, and astral turf as well, but that's another story again. But that's not um, Premier League, is it? Let's not, no, in Premier League they have uh, synthetic as well as, um, but they also have woven. You know, it, it's a lot deeper woven through a mesh, and but it's yeah. um, to me, I think that it, a lot of it is. I'm, I'm not a, personally, I'm not a lover of these blades. They also cause terrible cuts, and I've seen quite a few of them, and um, I'm, I'm just not a lover of them. But uh, bring bring me a studded boot any day. Um, Those big old hobnail things you used to wear, best yes. or keep yeah. your ankles warm. Well, yeah, 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 not those. Uh, what, they have not that old. Bloody hell, fire. <laughs> I may look it, but um, yeah, I think that's just a discussion for another day about mm. the technical side of what's in football as well. Like it's a, it's a good topic and um, something that we could talk about. It is a good discussion for another day, but Tom Bailey, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to ask for your opinion on Super Sunday because I just haven't got enough time. <laughs> and then I need to talk to you about. Uh, everything else to try and make sure that everyone is covered, so all the listeners get every game covered if they are a supporter of all teams so i'm gonna sort of throw um the team that have gone top uh, at you which is arsenal it wasn't a great game by all accounts but they nicked it and of all people to nick it it was kai Havertz. but Mikel arteta and his lego army won't care will they no not at all um a win's a win and um, brentford's always a tricky place to go i mean as as liverpool fans will know um and it was a uh, an important header as well. Moments like that, I mean, especially previously in the season, we would have seen him miss them. So um, good to see him getting himself on the score sheet and maybe that'll kickstart his, his time at Arsenal. But um, yeah, it's just going to be a case of, well, games like that, they'll have to win. They've done just that. Brentford are going to be kicking themselves. Could have been a valuable point, but there's still a long season ahead. So I don't think they'll be too worried. Um, sticking with you, Tom, um, you said on Wednesday that you had a sneaky feeling that Luton Town were going to do something against Crystal Palace. Not only did they do something against Crystal Palace, they are also first on match of the day. So do you just want to revel in your little prediction glory there for a second? <laughs> well, I, uh, well, you know, I'll keep it humble. I don't want to go showing off, but... You're a humble I, man, Tom. I, I said I said Luton Town 2, Crystal Palace 1, and what happened is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, great to see Luton get... You and I both said Tottenham 4, Villa 2. I remember that one quite clearly. Well, we got half of that right, so that's not all bad. Um, yeah, it's great to see Luton getting a win. Um, and Palace are in a really, really weird spot now where they just don't seem to be able to buy a win unless you're playing against Burnley, which again happened to West Ham um yeah really good from Luton good to see them getting themselves some more points every single game is going to be vital for them now especially with uh the gap uh growing with Bournemouth and I think well Everton the gap would be even bigger if they weren't there as well so they've got a chance with the deduction and we'll just have to wait and see how it all goes going through Christmas AD linking it to um Burnley, West Ham. Um, we know that Burnley have struggled all season. We've mentioned it a lot on this podcast in particular. But how, how, A.D. Hopper, did they let this one slip against West Ham? They were in the driving seat and then last five minutes, they completely chuck it away. 
Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, really? And it's almost as though they're so used to losing that they felt they had to lose. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, they, they are used to losing. On the other hand, West Ham, you know, West Ham have been turning in some reasonable performances, by and large, but I don't know how they managed to lose it. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, something must have happened. Either David Moyes had a a moment of uh, inspiration and said something to the whole team and they suddenly responded and scored two goals. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just, I mean, I think the other thing is it must be difficult when you've had a season where you've played in the championship and you've, you've won, you know, the vast majority of your games and then you suddenly find yourself in the Premier League and you've lost the vast majority of your games. It, it's a it's a bit of a mindset, isn't it, change? And I, I don't know how they cope with it, quite honestly. Because they're not, are they? At the end of the day, they're losing. So, yeah. Um, Thorpe, I'll throw the next one at you, which is Newcastle Chelsea. Because we, does that mean I we, don't get to talk about Jason Tindall? You're a horrible. Well, man. Go on, Thorpe. <laughs> well, look, you've mentioned it now. So you've already got your 115 in, so you've you've All ticked right, off okay. that Rick Hyatt bingo. Um, for this week's pod, at least. Um, Thorpe, again, it's another game where you just don't have a bloody clue what you're getting from Chelsea Football Club. This was no. another example of it, this time for the bad. Well, the first half wasn't bad, but, um, you know, for, for me, but uh, I just think they've outworked, you know, and I think that's the, the issue there. I mean, for, for, for Chelsea fans, I would be worried about two things. One, the amount of money that they're spending, you know, um, and two, what they're getting out of their team. And I think Poch has got a, he's got a long job there. That's got to be a four or five year plan, that is, and uh, allow him to do his job and uh, don't expect much success in the next couple of years. You know, I think he's just got so much work to do. Because you've got to think he's all contractual as well, isn't it? But Newcastle, fantastic. I think he's got them working so well. Um, really hard. Was surprised at a few of the signings, but they're coming to fruit. Um, can't compliment them enough. What more do you want me to say? But his, his town's looking lovely. <laughs> um, Rick, I'll come to you for the next one. Maybe we won't. <laughs> Dave, he's frozen. Mr. Price has disappeared. I believe the last one was Sheffield United Bournemouth. And, and no, I I'm guess... sure he'd rather I spoke about Nottingham Forest against Brighton because I'd like <laughs> to avoid Sheffield United if possible, but we'll never know. I would just like to ask a, ask a question. Does anybody know why Lewis Stunt was sent off? Uh, well, I ver verbals. Yeah. He, he, yeah. After he was booked, he said yeah. something to the referee. The referee turned straight away around, and as he walked away, he thought, oh, I'll give him a little jibe. He said something. He turned around and walked away. The referee turned straight around, went to him, and gave him the second yellow card. Actually, I think it was a direct red, wasn't it? No, I, I, I don't know. And the referee yellows, in right? question is, uh, is uh, Anthony Taylor. So does that, does that count? <laughs> does it count? He should, he should be think... refereeing in the championship, not in the Premier League. What's he doing? Okay. All I'll say is occasionally you'll say something to the referee you wish you wouldn't wouldn't have said. Is this um, you, something you that push... somebody's told you, Thorpe? Because I'm sure that you never said anything to anybody that you didn't mean. <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch. I certainly meant it. That's probably why I was sent off. Yeah, it could have been. You know, but um, I just think that he pushed over the line there and um, said something, walked away. Referees have none of it. Gave, gave him, uh, sent him off. So... Uh, but uh, yeah, would you like to now go into the, um, the, the now we've lost our, our main man, Nottingham Forest Brighton? Just an incredible game of football. It was well worth uh, well worth watching. And was it was it the first one on? Was it the first? I didn't see much of the day. So was it the first one on? Uh, I can't remember now. Should have been. It's it was very early. Yeah. Cracking game of football. Alanga uh, scoring again for Nottingham Forest and. What more? Can, what more can you say? It was just a really good game. Good to see Deserby needed a win again. No, absolutely. And I think he showed he, he showed his passion at the end, didn't he? But I mean, Alanga as well. I mean, he's really uh, found his uh, found a club where he can express himself, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Hilda's back by the looks of it. Uh, Hilda, if you're if you are back, and and we're playing Rick Rick Hyatt Bingo, Brighton reinforce their position as the hipsters' choice. <laughs> 
I wasn't sure whether or not you caught the tail end of me trying to say hipster's choice, and I don't know if I managed to get all of it out or not. Before I <laughs> anyway, they we covered to, for you. They tried to flog me off with Sheffield United, though. <laughs> wasn't having oh, any I of wanted, it. I wanted Tom Bailey to take that one, considering oh. he was adamant there was going to be no goals and that it was going to absolutely stink the place out. But... Um, turns out Sheffield United probably did stink the place out. They had a goal right at the end through McBurney. But um, Bournemouth, pretty comfortable win for them. Yeah, the highlights I saw, they actually looked pretty dangerous, which, uh, I mean, it's Sheffield United, so you take that as you will. But um, three goals is uh, nothing to be sniffed at. Semenyo looked like he played really well, and there were just defensive calamities all over the pitch from um, from Sheffield United. I mean, the second goal for... Um, Cliver, what the hell Fotheringham thought he was doing was shambolic. I get, I, pro, I, I've said this multiple times. I don't know if I've said it on the pod, but he is possibly the worst goalkeeper I've seen in the Premier League. It's awful. <laughs> he's he's terrible. The fact that he's the top of the saves list is nothing because Sheffield United his, is a whole stink. But was his all... performance worse than Allison's? Yes. Because he had an absolute stinker of a day as well, didn't he? Agree, I know, yeah. he, just, he just can't Conceding kick. one That's goal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that brutal, he had a Rodri foul on him. He had a Rodri moment in his own penalty area, didn't he, to get rid of that, that City goal? Hmm. Needs must. Uh, <laughs> How um, have we waited to the end of the pod for that to come up? <laughs> I, I forgot about it. I just... Actually, Freddie Buktombele, uh, how, how have Bournemouth been going on ever since you predicted that their manager was going to get the sack? So four wins in a row. So thanks for listening, everyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will hold my hands up and and say I may have been a bit rash, Um, but (laughs) I still I stand I stand by the fact that end of the season he will be gone, and if he's not, I will do something. I don't know. But who's going to take charge of Bournemouth in in the Europa Conference if if he's not there? Because the way they're playing at the moment, that's where they're going to end up. Please no, please no, please no. Tinder will come back. Oh, you're <laughs> playing with my still. dreams now. Mr. He, likes it, in, oh. he likes it in Europe, apparently. He does. He loves it on the beaches. Well, look, boys, we've managed to get through nearly absolutely everything. However, I will just allow one little extra right at the end of this because I did the game a disservice on Wednesday when going through the preview because I completely forgot that there was a Monday night football. So this will kind of put you to the test a little bit because I'll mention it again. But by the time this goes out, it may be during or the MNF game may have already been completed. So, uh, AD, it's uh, Fulham taking on Wolves. Fulham need a win here, don't they? AD's mic has stopped working, so I'm going to fill in. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Age, you've you've got mute there for some reason, and I don't know if that's because you're disbelieving the question. Off. I switched. My <laughs> there you go. Off. There you go. Um, no, Gary O'Neill's, you know, on a bit of a flying uh, trip at the moment, so uh, I think it's going to be a draw. I, I, you know, I, I mean, Fulham could do with a win. I agree with you. They do. They could, but I think I think Gary O'Neill's got Wolves sort of. He's, he's he's found the answer to them a little bit, I think, and I think they could uh, very well at least get a draw. Tom Bailey? Wolves win. Uh, Fulham do not look right at the moment and something needs to change quickly, especially without Polinia as well. So I'm going to go Wolves win. Thorpey? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think defensively, uh, Fulham are not strong enough. But at home, we've got a bit more of a chance. But I, I think uh, Gary O'Neill's got them working really well. And um, as they be either a, be a tight one, but I think uh, possibly Wolves will come out on top with a late one. Brick Hyatt? Full house. So you can guarantee that means that Jimenez is going to get a hat-trick. Fulham are going to win 4-0. Uh, right, no, you got a fancy Wolves for that one. So what I'm going to say is uh, refer to your scoring apps and it will be in there because uh, it would have probably finished by the time that you listen to this. And I'm not prepared <laughs> to put... My neck on the line. But if I had to, I, I'm just going to go for a home win because I'm a bit of a homer. I tell you what, since, <laughs> since we're, we're already four minutes over the top, it'll be interesting to hear in, in advance what people think about the two United uh, success rate in Europe on Wednesday. It will be discussed. 
I'm sure. Are you, well, are you the Tuesday uh, or Wednesday? I don't know. Well, United's Wednesday, I think, isn't it, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, so we won't be able to talk about it until, well, uh, if we remember saying, the following well, let's, pod. Let's see yeah. what people think before we go. Just straight, you know, win or lose. Uh, I will add, they are they are the early kickoff, oh, so it'll be ongoing as we record. Oh, that's even oh, that's even more tense. No. It's going to be live as we're recording on Wednesday. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've always wanted. Hey, to you're not going to be here now, are you? That's what? messed oh, everything oh, up for you <laughs> on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you'll have to fend for yourselves, Sodger. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll do that bit offline, but uh, yeah, it is going to be a difficult, difficult game for Manchester United, but... And Newcastle. Who knows? That's going to have a terrible week, because they're going to go out of the Champions League and get battered by United next Saturday, so uh, mm -hmm. plenty of Tyndall action coming this way. Clip that. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think we'll wrap that up before anyone else says anything outrageous on this week's podcast. So, Rick Hyatt, thank you very much as always. Good, sir. Always a pleasure and uh, love, love to the monkeys, Dave. I should celebrate by listening to a little bit of monkey business, shall I? Rick I think Hyatt? you should. Is, is, you, is your car in one piece now? Have you got the aerial back on it and things like that? Or have you got uh, an extra bill to pay for? No, I've probably got an extra bill to pay for, but luckily we did manage to get some signal back on the radio on the way home, so I'm hoping mm -hmm. that we'll just be able to do without it. We'll see. I don't quite know how we're managing to get a reception in the car at the moment without an aerial, but we seem to be. Mm. So uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Paul Thorpe, thank you very much for getting out of your sick bed for us, and we uh, hope to see you back to fitness and vitality very soon behind the mic. My pleasure, and thank you very much. And one... Tom Bailey, Freddie McTombalay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. One, as ever. one little uh, announcement for the listeners. Uh, our Wednesday podcast is a special because, as we all know, Yeovil are playing Wrexham on Sunday. And we've got um, Mickey Thomas. We've got uh, Ben Tozer, who's the captain of uh, Wrexham. We've got Kevin Gall um, and Mr. Thorpe is going to join us and we're going to focus on that one game because uh, back in 2003, of course, we played Wrexham in the FA Cup and beat them 4-1, I think it was. Uh, so it's kind of quite relevant. So we're going to concentrate on that one game on Wednesday night. Whilst you're also concentrating on a game in Europe, A.D. Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I might have one ear to it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good night from the Dave Pryor and A.D. Hopper sign us off. Thank you for listening to Football Bloody Hell! Yeah. more like it.